0: Hello, Muller junkies. This episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by the folks at Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. With all the news coming at us these days, self-care and a good night's sleep are more important than ever, and we've cooked up a special deal for fans of the pod where you can get $50 off selected mattresses. So just head over to casper.com msw and enter the promo code msw when you check out and get some rest.
1: No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
0: Hello, welcome to week 39 of Mueller She Wrote. I am your anonymous host, A.G., being all anonymous and shit so I don't have to violate the Hatch Act. I work for Trump's executive branch and he's purging non-loyalists right now, so I'm also trying to keep a low profile. With me, as always, is Julissa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. And this week, we had some major news come out that got buried under some lame distractions, and I want to make sure you guys know what really went on. And to help us break it all down this week, we have the triumphant return of the co-founder of the Dem Coalition and host of the Dworkin Report podcast. You may know him as at Funder on Twitter, Mr. Scott Dworkin. We also have resistor and author Molly Jong Fast, and we will be featuring an interview with the candidate running as the Democrat in California's highly contested 49th district, Mr. Mike Levin. Daryl Issa almost lost that seat in 2016. It was like less than 2,000 votes. And now that he's retiring, we wanted to showcase the Dem that won the primary in that swing district because the seat is up for grabs. Julissa is going to report on the first Democratic victim of the Russian hacks <laughs> in the midterm election. and yes. drew, yeah, the first of many, probably. Yeah, well, there were three, but one was named so far that we've found. Mm. Uh, and Jordan has some news on Tad Devine. That's one of Bernie's senior campaign advisors that got rolled up in the Manafort trial. I'll be going over all things Cohen, but first I wanted to thank you all for your overwhelming support of last week's Megasode. The experts keep telling us that no one listens to podcasts longer than 45 minutes, (laughs) but you guys proved them wrong, and we thank you. Um, please head to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and subscribe. It really helps our exposure and our mission is to get the gospel of Mueller out to as many people as possible. And that's literally the best way to do it. I don't know why. It's just how the world is set up. Mm -hmm. First, we have some corrections from last week. And I believe, Jordan, you said something about Russia hacking Hillary's emails. Did you want to?
5: Yes. So in my segment last week, uh, I very quickly was reporting things and misspoke. I said that uh, Hillary Clinton's emails were hacked when it was actually the hacking of the DNC emails.
0: So when I reported on that, I uh, was wrong. All right, so they did attempt to hack Hillary's emails, but I don't think they did it successfully. That was July 27th. Yeah, not the one that I was reporting on. Oh, that right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was, that was the Podesta, Hillary. DNC, and mm-hmm. the DCCC. Yep. Got it. Thank you for that correction. And I uh, was incorrect when I said that uh, Manafort made his wife watch orgies. Uh, <laughs> the truth is he made his wife participate in orgies while he watched.
2: Yes, far worse. Far worse.
0: <laughs> Anyhow. Thank you to our fans for pointing out those corrections, and uh, we're going to just kind of fly right by that because I don't want to picture the orgies. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you have any corrections, please email them to Mullershewrote at gmail.com. All right, so as anticipated, we had another insane news week, so let's get into it with just the facts. Over the weekend, we found out that Boutina's financier was named... Uh, in the Washington Post. And his name is Konstantin Nikolaev. And it turns out that his kid actually worked for the Trump campaign, according to someone who heard Boutina's testimony in the Senate Intelligence Committee back in April. I am frankly surprised she didn't leave the country after that testimony. I mean, she was questioned by the Senate and then just hung around for over three months before she was picked up. And later in the week on Wednesday, there was a hearing in the Boutina case. And the bottom line up front, as we say in the military, The prosecution asked for the protection orders, um, basically governing the evidence that they're about to hand over to the defense, uh, about 12 terabytes in all or 4 million documents, because the prosecution knows that the defense will go public with some of the information, which the prosecution says is sensitive, because a lot of it um, connects to other open and potential investigations. So there's still ongoing investigations, and there's still future investigations. Uh, the judge agreed, but asked for the requests in writing by September so the court can determine what must be protected. A couple of other interesting things we learned from that hearing is that the the defense was offended that the prosecution would characterize Boutina's relationship with Paul Erickson, that's person one, as a ruse and demanded that they produce the evidence that shows Boutina offered sex to someone else for a spot in a political organization. <laughs> the judge uh, said, that's a weird to ask for evidence for, like, to, 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 like." What do you want to drop trial and have her show you what she can do? Um, The judge said we have to wait to find out what the protective orders cover, right? The protective orders that are going to cover the evidence, Um, though the prosecution pointed to Butina's offer to testify on behalf of the prosecution in an FBI investigation into Erickson in South Dakota. So that kind of shows she doesn't really like him very much because she was willing to testify (laughs) against him in that. Remember when we mentioned there was an open FBI investigation in South Dakota already on Erickson? Mm -hmm. She was going to testify against him in that. We also found out that Butina was on the payroll of the Outdoor Channel and that the president of that network just so happened to be in Moscow in December of 2015. That was during Mm -hmm. the time of the famous Flynn, Putin, Sheriff David Clark, Jill Stein meeting at the RT dinner, Russian television dinner.
5: What should we boycott? Do you know what they're on? What networks they're on? the outdoor channel or it's their i guess it's their own network that would that's what channel would uh
0: it's probably on like disc with the thousands of channels it's probably on amazon prime with the nra channel i don't know i really don't it's uh it's it was that you know what it is it was on nbc it was that uh tim allen show (laughs) no (laughs) what was it outdoor man or last man standing or something yeah anyway it's that show no i'm kidding i don't know uh, yes, Tim Allen was in Russia in December 2017, Oh no. <laughs> or excuse me, 2015. And this week in Mananigans, that's Manafort shenanigans. Oh, I like that. That's good. Thank yeah. you. Judge Ellis granted immunity. He granted immunity to the five witnesses, which turned out to be accountants and bankers, including two dudes that worked for that little bank in Chicago that specializes in lending money to veterans that ended up lending $16 million to Manafort the day he left the Trump campaign, um, and the head of that bank, a dude named Cock, remember Cock? <laughs> We've made fun of him a few times mm-hmm. on our show. He wanted to be Secretary of the Army in the Trump administration. <clears throat> and they're trying to show that that was a, a squid pro crow.
2: Yeah, to um, tat. Yeah,
0: yeah, he gives Manafort $16 million and he gets to be Secretary of the Army. So he's one of those five immunity guys. Oh. Uh, two, actually, two of the guys who worked for Cock are in that immunity thing. Um, and Ellis granted immunity and then argued against the prosecution that he was going to release the names. And prosecution was like, no, please don't. Uh, but Ellis did it anyway. He's like, nope, it's all public. Don't care. <laughs> um, Ellis also delayed the trial to July 31st, which is tomorrow. <clears throat> Remember back when Manafort got all pissy and asked to delay the trial t- until November? And Ellis said, no need. We'll just move you closer. <laughs> that happened right around the time the prosecution dumped the Gates discovery on Manafort, right? And Manafort whined about it, but the judge called his bluff and and moved him. Well, in this hearing um, that happened this past week, Manafort asked again to delay until November. And this time he gave the real reason. He wanted more time to go over the Gates documents and his own accounting books, by the way, Um, which his bookkeeper apparently was holding for ransom. (laughs) Snap. And he figured, oh, I'll save some money and wait until it comes out into discovery. So they give it to him in discovery, and it's like a bazillion documents. And he's like, oh, I need till November. Well, Ellis gave him six days. So the trial starts July 31st. <laughs> um, the key piece of news in this story is that Ellis said he expects the trial to last three weeks. And I mm. guessed two to four, so I call that win for beans.
5: Yeah. <laughs> More beans. He also. Yeah, don't... yeah. More beans. That's amazing, though. Three weeks. Hell yeah. That's yeah. such instant gratification for us. Oh, I know. Definitely.
0: I know. And I'm paleo now, so I can put beans on things. I just can't <laughs> eat them. Oh, that's
5: funny. just put them literally on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Uh, he told the prosecutors he would uh, make uh, their witness list public by the end of the week, which is not common practice. And then Friday, uh, jury selection began. So this trial is going forward whether Manafort is ready or not.
5: Yeah, this is a jury that Manafort wants to
0: be equally split <laughs> between yeah.
5: uh-huh. Republicans and Democrats.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he even was like, uh, "Can you? Can we ask them uh, who they voted for?" And this is like, "Fuck <laughs> you." <laughs> Uh, then Trump announced he was going to rescind security clearance for six people, including Rice, Comey, McCabe, Brennan, Clapper, and Hayden. And this is blatant, like, Orwellian political abuse of power. This serves no purpose. A few of those folks don't even have security clearance anymore. Comey's like, yeah, go ahead, take it away. I was read out. I don't have clearance anymore. Uh, this, is use, this is using government power to punish political opponents because he doesn't like what they say about him because he's such a big, strong man. Yeah, going to? His Orwellian shit was just off the charts this week, you guys. Tuesday, he spoke to a group of veterans in Kansas City and told them not to believe what they see or read. Uh, He said, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. And if Trump supporters were readers, they might remember this line from the book 1984, quote, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command, unquote.
5: Should have read that book in 10th grade.
0: (laughs) Finally, the uh, the scariest move he's made to date, in my opinion, happened Wednesday when we found out he didn't just tell people to ignore evidence. He actually doctored official White House transcripts and official White House video to fit his narrative. The official White House video and transcript of the Putin-Trump press conference at the Helsinki summit, has, they've been doctored. And uh, Rachel Maddow pointed out Tuesday night on her show um, that it, there was an article in The Atlantic from July 17th. That the official House transcript, White House transcript, didn't match what actually happened. Uh, There was a question from Mason of Reuters who asked Putin, quote, Did you want Mr. Trump to win and did you direct anyone to help him do that? To which Putin said, Yes, I did. Yes, I did. The Russian state transcript has the entire question from Mason missing. And both the official White House transcript and the video have removed the first part of his question where he asks if Putin wanted Trump to win. The Washington Post came out the day after Maddow pointed all this out and said, No, no harm, no foul. We had the wrong transcript, too. It's hard to hear. Bullshit. I call bullshit. And Wednesday, the White House came out and acknowledged the error, but they still hadn't corrected it. It's frightening considering the new tweet from Trump that says, Russia will interfere in the 2018 election to help the Democrats.
2: So bizarre.
0: Easy claim to make when you erase from the record a direct question to Putin as to whether or not he wanted Trump to win, right? So Trump also tweeted out a Russian-created doctored tape of Hillary Clinton, originally posted by the Russian state television Channel One, showing his new narrative that Hillary is strong for Russia, backing up Trump's new assertion that Russia is pro-democratic. So that's Trump's new tack. The Russians are helping Democrats. That way he can blame the blue wave on Russia, and sadly his base will believe him despite video evidence to the contrary. And as of Friday, the White House did correct the transcript, but the video is still doctored.
5: God damn it. Get this fucker
0: out of here.
2: I know, right? So infuriating.
0: It it is. Um, It's, I don't know. I don't even know how to characterize it. Well, that's how you
2: get, you know, that's how you erase the truth, right? It's like by slowly scrubbing it in little patches where people think it doesn't matter so much. But Mm -hmm. then over time, it's like, oh, wait, what happened again? Mm -hmm. Like, we have no evidence anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The saddest reality is that it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Monday night, uh, Avenatti ran into
0: Cohen in a New York restaurant. and said we should work together to which Cohen told him you better speak to my lawyers Uh, this would be an interesting team Uh, we're trying to get Avenatti on the show so tweet at him you guys tweet Avenatti and tell him all of his wildest dreams will come true if he doesn't (laughs) interview with us
2: if you vote for me all of your wildest dreams will come true
0: remember to tag us in that tweet at Muller she (laughs) wrote I want to see those tweets Uh, Remember last week when I warned everyone that because there was no other people in the room during the Putin summit, that meant Putin could say whatever he wanted about what happened in that meeting, and our president is compromised? Exactly. Let's listen to that clip real quick. The problem with the secret meeting is Putin can now say Trump said anything, and Trump will not have any way to defend it. Putin likely recorded the meeting, and that makes Trump compromised. Uh, That's what happened to Flynn. He had secret meetings with Russians that they recorded and then, you know, Russia had him by the balls and that's why Sally Yates warned the White House that Flynn was likely compromised. Well, guess what? Putin is starting to tell the world his version of what happened at that meeting and no one, not even Trump's national security team, have any details or evidence of what took place in that meeting. Putin has told the press that he and Trump agreed on a plan in Syria. Then the general, the American general in charge of CENTCOM, uh, that's Central Command in the Middle East. Said he heard nothing of the sort And then Putin came out Slamming him Saying he was defying His supreme president uh, So there's Russia Successfully driving a wedge Between the president And the United States And the general in charge Of CENTCOM in the Middle East Awesome And then on Tuesday night uh, One of the Cohen-Trump tapes Leaked to CNN And I'm gonna go over that A bit later Lordy I hope there are tapes Wednesday A lot of shit went down <laughs> As Wednesdays tend to do Putin declined Trump's White House invitation Oh. <laughs> Uh, showing him and the United States up once again, but then invited him back to Russia later in the week. Sarah Sanders replied that they'd talk about it after the first of the year because they knew that the fallout from the first treason summit was so bad that they don't want to visit with Putin, the puppet master, right? Again, until after the election. Yeah, I was
5: going to say, I thought Trump already pulled back on his offer before that.
0: Well, he offered, Putin said no. Then Putin said, you come back here, you come to my house. And then... He's summoning him
2: again. And then
0: uh, Trump didn't say it, but Sarah Sanders said, eh, maybe after the first of the year. This was the last time was pretty bad for us.
2: Yeah. I love, She's how, like, maybe. Ahead, I was going to say, Putin can say no to Trump, but Trump can't say no to Putin. It's so obvious. Yeah. It's truly obvious. Yeah. Maybe they'll go over
5: after Sarah Sanders leaves the White House and she doesn't have to deal with it.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like young lovers. You come
0: over to my house. No, you come over to my house. No, you come over to my house. Yeah. They should not be meeting at all,
2: period. <laughs> They're too young. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sorry. Also late Wednesday night, Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows, GOP members of the House Intelligence Committee, filed articles of impeachment against Rod Rosenstein for high crimes and misdemeanors. We saw this coming. To be fair, Meadows has been walking around with that impeachment under his arm like a whoopee for the past several weeks. (laughs) The Linus blinking. Yeah. But as soon as it happened, it was over, right? Most Republicans, including Paul Ryan, Lindsey Graham, they all came out against impeachment and Meadows tabled the impeachment. And said he would switch it to contempt charges, but not until September after the summer recess is over. But wouldn't that be too late, right? Mueller is looking to wrap up a significant part of his investigation by the end of the summer. Um, there are many signs that the probe is still active, including inferences in both the Manafort and Boutina hearings, that there are still ongoing open and potential investigations. But according to anonymous uh, but credible sources, Mueller is starting to have those chats with his team about winding down, much like you remember in A Higher Loyalty when Comey started chatting with his guys about ending the Hillary investigation and how (laughs) we're going to end it? Uh, and how they wanted to proceed so the source also said Mueller views his role more of an, as an investigator and not a prosecutor so i thought that was all interesting that that Rosenstein has handed over anything is incredible to me. Justice has no duty to produce top secret material in an open and ongoing investigation to the leak fest of, of Congress full of potential s- subjects in the investigation. <laughs> that He's produced over 800,000 documents is ludicrous on its own. But Rosenstein knows he's the guardian of the Mueller investigation. And he knows that, you know, the entire iceberg, not just the tippy top that we've had the privilege of seeing. So he's releasing all these documents. He's redacting the shit out of them. Well, actually, his his team is redacting them, but like, you know, he's doing his best the best he can to appease them, to not give Trump a pretext to fire him, but also protecting sources and methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Article, not unfortunately, I shouldn't say that, but Article 1, <laughs> Section 6, Clause 1 of the Constitution Uh, States in part for any speech and debate in either house, senators and representatives, they shall not be questioned in any other place. The purpose of this clause is to prevent the arrest and prosecution of unpopular legislators based on their political views. So for GOP members of Congress to try to impeach Rosenstein and then hide behind the speech and debate clause is akin to like a pathetic chicken shit complicit wrestling coach. Uh, that knows about the abuse of children but stays silent like Jim Jordan? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's more like a Weasley congressman who continued to pay as chief of staff who was forced to resign amid accusations of inappropriate sexual behavior like Mark Meadows? These are the two guys who filed the impeachment, uh, by the way. <laughs> it's just beyond pot and kettle to me. And all this on the heels of the indictment of 26 Russian spies and entities in an investigation given up on by the committee Jordan and Meadows are part of in Congress. Maybe they're jealous of the job Mueller and Rosenstein are doing, uh, but more likely they're just trying to cover their own asses. Even the racist possum Jeff Beauregard Sessions came out Thursday (laughs) saying he has the highest confidence in Rosenstein. So anyway, don't worry. Uh, This is all likely, as I said, just a ploy to give Trump pretext to fire Rosenstein so he can replace him with Benchkowski. But as we have discussed many times on this show, there are multiple fail-safes Mueller has ha- has in place, including his dead man switch, which is a term that refers to a switch that's automatically thrown if the operator becomes incapacitated. Mueller's dead man switch could be in the form of sealed indictments set to drop when or if his investigation is in jeopardy. There's also the special assistance to the special counsel that Mueller set up. These are the little prosecutors on his team that he's given full authority to continue on without him. I call them mini Muellers. <laughs> And then there's the handing off of many parts of this investigation to U.S. attorneys' offices and the the Department of Justice directly, such as in the Boutina case or the Cohen case. The Mueller investigation is Trump-proof, and all of his attempts to shut it down will just be added to the obstruction of justice pile. That's how I see it. That's intense. Speaking of obstruction of justice, Thursday, we learned that Mueller is actually looking at Trump's tweets, specifically his nasty tweets towards Sessions and Comey. Uh, intimidating witnesses and tamping down the investigation is what these tweets could help prove. Uh, Mueller wants to interview Trump about these tweets, but it's unlikely Trump is going to sit down with him. So we may or may not see a subpoena. And the main reason Mueller could say only the president could provide this testimony is that multiple people have access to Trump's Twitter uh, account, right? There's a lot of people we know that are tweeting for him. And Mueller will want to know if Trump actually wrote those tweets. Mueller may have already asked Caputo if he wrote the tweets uh, and could easily catch Trump in a lie if they sat down. And so and the interesting part is Giuliani yeah. responded saying, quote, obstruction is something that happens behind closed doors, not out in the open, <laughs> which is the dumbest argument I've ever heard. Like uh, like somebody robs a bank in the broad daylight and they're like, well, we can't prosecute him." most people, you know, rob banks at night or whatever. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just the dumbest thing. You do that shit in the dark, man.
5: Yeah. They really should push harder for an interview with him. Muller, <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> I just don't get I I should more say I don't understand why they're not pushing harder for it cuz then that's just such an easy way to trap him in a lie and that's why they're pushing back so hard on doing it and that's why he's been so evasive but I'm surprised that they're not pushing harder on that cuz it'd be such Do they
2: know it's inevitable? and it's still frustrating as you know citizens. well the more time
5: that goes by though the more they get to craft this narrative and then you know lube the truth and it's like this whole time if we had an interview with him then it'd be more evidence against him it's,
2: yeah you think Mueller would, would would be considering how important the public opinion is so yeah maybe he is fighting the clock and he knows it but at the same time i feel like he's got to have a plan that's way ahead of ours like and we're thinking <clears throat> this he's probably thought this like a few months ago and he's like you know what i'm gonna hold off because of this and that like
5: that's I, yeah i would yeah, hope blind so. faith in Mueller would hope on my has. part <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah yeah
0: it's i mm, there's a lot of different things at work here a subpoena could drag this out for a long time mm-hmm. uh, and Mueller might not want to do that Uh, Also, we do do know Mueller is able to subpoena him because he floated that idea, uh, I think, back in February or March, and he wouldn't have done that unless he had the full backing of the Department of Justice Rosenstein and Mm -hmm. all them. So he can. Uh, It's whether or not he he thinks that it's the best way to go. And also we have to remember that as people shift from subject to target— you no longer want to bring them in for questioning, right? Or, I mean, I, a lot of it depends, but usually when you you don't bring a target in for questioning, so that's kind of what I'm hoping is happening.
2: Yeah, yeah,
5: like, yeah. He's just not going to question him until he's actually on the stand.
2: Yeah, which would in be in
5: which
0: case he, I don't I don't know if that's
5: going to
2: happen, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's the question. Sitting president, will he be on the stand? I verify find
5: that very hard to believe. Mm. Mueller's already gone on record saying that he would follow the impeachment proceedings. Yeah, sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah, so we impeachment Congress.
2: Mm
0: Yeah, yeah. well, we'll find out because all these indictments are going to drop pretty soon. We also found out Thursday that the CFO of the Trump organization, Alan Weisselberg, was subpoenaed to testify before the grand jury in the Cohen case.
3: Alan! 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 Alan!
1: Alan! 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 Alan.
0: I'll be talking about this subpoena with Scott Dworkin later in Hot Notes. And we learned Thursday that Tad Devine is cooperating with prosecution. Jordan is going to tell us about that later. Claire McCaskill is one of the first Democratic victims of Russian interference mm-hmm. in the 2018 election, and Jaleesa has that reporting for us in a bit. So Thursday was quite a day. Then Thursday night, there was a bombshell report that Cohen says Donald Trump knew about the Trump Tower meetings ahead of time, and I'll be covering that later as well with uh, with Scott Dworkin. Then Friday, Trump had a very important meeting about protecting our elections. There were about 30 high-level intel people, national, national security people there in that meeting. 30 people. Think about that. Trump made a statement that we have to defend against attacks from every foreign entity. He didn't say Russia. Uh, and the meeting only lasted 30 minutes. Sounds like a super robust meeting. Yeah,
5: that's an all lives matter meeting.
0: Right 30, there. 30 people, 30 minutes. Uh, sounds like the toddler in chief needed a nap uh, and ended the important meeting early. We still have no plan to mitigate interference, and he's still saying the hacks could be coming from anywhere. Ken Delanian says, quote, the Trump administration has no central strategy for election security and no one's in charge. Couple that with the GOP ending funding for protecting our elections, despite states begging for the funding and the fact that Trump hasn't hired a cybersecurity chief. Our elections are vulnerable, and I'm willing to bet he likes it that way. So get out and vote in November. No excuses. Finally, someone snapped an epic photo at Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C. at gate 35X, showing Mueller reading in a seat just a few feet away as Don Jr. is standing in line on the phone. But the most important question for me is,
2: where is Mueller going? Isn't he busy? Well, you know, I'm sure he's probably spending a lot of time working, but if he gets a second to go somewhere else, I think he deserves a break. Maybe he's visiting family. Well, what no way. I for the weekend. Does he have a family? I think he's just a I'd, robot. haven't yeah, seen his I wife in
0: months. <laughs> he's got that sister he's who works at... He's going to get at, laid, man. He's got that sister who works at... Uh uh, Dave and Buster's, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's
2: going to go to Dave and Buster's. He's going to play Dance Dance Revolution. Gotta yeah. let loose a little bit. He's working hard.
5: Oh, cool. yeah. He's let loose, man. He had his first top button unbuttoned. It
2: <gasps> was Ooh. crazy. Did
5: he wear a blue shirt? It was white. No, it was white. damn, it was white. You're I right. think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was white. It was
0: super hot dude sitting next to him.
5: I want to know who that guy is. Yeah. yeah I and had a really hard time locating Donald Trump Jr. It was like, oh, of course, the,
0: the douche in the, the
5: camouflage. camouflage yeah. and the, <laughs> the
0: light blue polo. Totally. <laughs> well, here's my favorite theory uh don jr is likely flying to new york which means and if it's on the same flight Mueller is going to new york too so maybe he's going there to meet with the southern district of new york prosecutors oh, maybe they then trade some info total conjecture uh put beans on it if you want i don't know i'm paleo <laughs> uh anyway those are the facts guys we'll be right back Greetings, this is your host, A.G., and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about Casper, where they're hard at work revolutionizing their line of products designed to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. So after a long day of resisting and smashing the patriarchy, you can sleep well on one of their mattresses made of multiple supportive memory foams that provide just the right amount of sink and just the right amount of bounce. And Casper is breathable, so you can sleep cool, which is something I always look for in a mattress at least. Casper doesn't just offer mattresses also, they have a wide range of products to help ensure you're getting the rest that you need to get out and fight the good fight. Best of all, Casper's mattresses are made in the United States, unlike MAGA hats. So jump online and order one today. They ship it right to your house in a compact box and offer free returns in the United States and Canada. The best part is Casper has a risk-free 100-night in-home trial. And considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing to it. And that's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. Get a $50 reward towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com MSW and use the promo code MSW when you check out. Terms and conditions apply. That's $50 towards select mattresses just by visiting casper.com MSW and using the promo code MSW at checkout. A well-rested resistance is an effect. One. All right. Welcome back. Hot notes. (laughs) All right. Time for this week's hot notes. Jordan is going to be going over the Bernie campaign advisor, Tad Devine. I'll be covering Cohen with an interview with Scott Dworkin. But first, Jaleesa has an update for us on the attempted hack Of Claire McCaskill.
2: Yes, thank you. So on Thursday, an article came out by the Daily Beast called Russian Hackers New Target, a Vulnerable Democratic Senator. (laughs) And the vulnerable Democratic Senator they're talking about is Claire McCaskill. She's become a top target for Republicans seeking to expand their slim Senate majority in the 2018 midterms. And as it turns out, Russia's government hacking group Fancy Bear. It's going after her too. So you guys might remember that Fancy Bear is the same Russian intelligence agency that was behind the 2016 DNC hacks. So now they're targeting poor old Claire during her 2018 re-election campaign, which, interestingly enough, would mark the first identified target of the Kremlin's 2018 election meddling campaign. It's like an annual event now. Yeah, they should get a tour t-shirt and on the yeah. back it's all the names of the people they've hacked. <laughs> I survived 2016 presidential hacking. I don't know. <laughs> McCaskill. I was hacked in 2016 there and all go. I got is this lousy t-shirt. Oh, my God. Can we do that? We can. We, I mean, we can do whatever you. we want. Oh, America. We still got that going for us. So McCaskill is a likely target considering her highly critical stance against Putin, not to mention that in 2016, Trump won her home state of Missouri and the presidential election by almost 20 points. So initially in a statement, McCaskill said, I think we'll have something on it next week in regards to this recent hacking. I'm not going to speak out about it right now. I can't confirm or do anything about it right now. But then she released a statement confirming the cyber attack was unsuccessful. And she added, Russia continues to engage in cyber warfare against our democracy. I will continue to speak out and press to hold them accountable. While this attack was not successful, it is outrageous that they think they can get away with this. I will not be intimidated. I've said it before and I will say it again. Putin is a thug and a bully. I like her. (laughs) <laughs> in August 2017 I do leave it to Democrats to refer to white people as thugs yeah I mean honestly <laughs> I do appreciate that so in August 2017 around the time that the hack was attempted on McCaskill Trump traveled to Missouri and told a crowd to vote McCaskill out of office but just last week on Twitter he said that he's worried the Russians like you said AG will interfere in the 2018 midterms on behalf of Democrats it's like he's gaslighting us right like, yeah. is that what that is and it,
0: and it makes you wonder uh, if that wasn't another public nudge and a wink to Russia, to be like, oh. hack, hack Claire McCaskill, just like the Russia, if you're listening.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He keeps yeah, speaking it's in it's not as codes. explicit as that, but yeah, yeah. These stupid codes, like, I hope you'll let this go. Mm-hmm. You know, like- the
5: fact that he said that, too, is also proof that he's uh, confident that a
2: blue wave is going to happen, which is good news on one hand.
5: On yeah. the other hand...
2: We really need to should prepare. Prepare. for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Even though we do have, I think, a lot of momentum, like a lot of people are saying, we're going to break records. We need to prepare for the fact that Russia is planning to shit on those records and just <laughs> dismiss them. Yeah, you know, they're somehow. just
5: taking victories from us in every form possible. Absolutely. Even when we have a real victory, just claiming it was. Yeah, like, totally, totally. Well, that's Trump,
2: not Russia, but. Yeah. yeah, it's really sad, and and this tweet about uh, the Democrats being helped by the Russian came out weeks after Mueller indicted twelve Russian GRU officers for hacking the twenty sixteen U.S. elections, targeting the DNC. So it's it's almost like Trump is just trying to like confuse us. Like, yeah, the facts are out there, but how about this random you know <laughs> theory? Like, it's so oh, insulting.
0: And just so you guys know, uh, when we say GRU officers, that's our shorthand for GRU. So absolutely, I, yeah, yeah. I, I always feel like we throw all these uh, you know little these acronyms at you, and we don't tell you what they are. You're so right. Right, you're right. Good point. Try to help you guys out with that, especially our new listeners. We just got a ton this week, so totally
2: welcome, guys. Welcome. Yes, yes. So this hacking attempt against McCaskill was an even similar password stealing technique used by Fancy Bear in 2016. So basically, they would send forged emails to the targets in the Senate, claiming that their Microsoft Exchange password had expired, and the email instructed them to change their password. Oh yeah, that's what happened to Podesta, right? They sent him a Gmail password expiration shit. It's so sad because I might and. Now that I think about it, I could have easily fallen from this in the last few years. Like we just didn't think about these things. And so uh, if a target clicked on the link, they were taken to a replica of the U.S. Senate's login page. And in October, I know it was like really similar. Uh, So October, Microsoft actually got control of one of the spoofed website addresses when a federal judge in Virginia issued a permanent injunction against the GRU hackers. So they got some of these websites back, but they're popping up, you know, all the time. And uh, McCaskill actually was caught up in the Podesta hacking, which was revealed when WikiLeaks released the Clinton campaign chair's private emails, and the document dump showed that McCaskill called Podesta to inform him that she had info about an individual working in the State Department's Inspector General's office, which at the time was investigating Clinton's private private email server, so the info just ended up being that a top aide at the Inspector General's office once worked for Republican Senator Chuck Grassley, but uh, basically it just shows that McCaskill's criticism of WikiLeaks stretched all the way back to nearly a decade, and, and she's always called for prosecutions of individuals who send classified information to WikiLeaks, so, uh, you know, basically she's at the center of this because she's a huge critic of Putin and it it makes total sense that he would go for her first but like you were saying Ag, there's been two other people apparently so it's just the beginning and her response to all of this was just I hope we can find out where this is coming from and go after them with the force of law so that's that's my hope too but I don't know
0: (laughs) yeah and her her, so it's but yeah definitely her uh, criticism of Putin and WikiLeaks but also it's a really vulnerable seat Um, she totally Trump won that uh, district um, 20 points 20 points right Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I said that Anyway, thank you so much for that reporting. Thank you. That is fantastic. And now, well, it's scary and... Horrible, but uh, yeah, good, <laughs> good reporting. But good reporting. Um, anyway, thank you, Julissa. So Jordan, you have some beans for us regarding Bernie Sanders' senior campaign advisor. What'd you find out?
5: So this week we discovered that Tad Devine, who was a top advisor to the Bernie Sanders campaign, has been summoned as a government witness in the case against Manafort in Virginia. This has been public information about Tad, but Tad worked with Manafort and Gates on Yanukovych's campaign in Ukraine. Which is a bummer for me personally to learn because it's like, Bernie, what are you doing hiring someone that worked for a campaign that was super pro-Russia? Yeah. There's no excuse for that. Mm -hmm. So just to address that element of it first, the sketchy element of it, I will say number one... It has been released by the prosecutors that Tad is not a target of the investigation. He is being brought in purely as a government witness, and they went on record saying that he has done nothing that is unlawful. So there are people, of course, freaking out right now on Fox News and all around saying, see, see, he was an agent of Russia, too. (laughs) That's not true. I will say that, yes, he did work on a campaign for Yanukovych, which is shitty in itself, But their statement, uh, the firm that he worked for when he was doing that work, released a statement saying, after the administration, the Ukrainian administration, of the presidential candidate we had worked for arresting his political opponent, we quit. Then we declined additional offers to work on his later campaigns. So there's that, I guess. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Still very annoying. Um, So... Yeah, moving on. Um, basically, he's being called in as a government witness because of the contacts he had with Manafort and
0: Gates during that time period. Oh, and you know what? I, Tad Devine is not one of the five people who was granted partial immunity, use immunity, which means he did not do anything criminally culpable. I, I would think.
5: Right. Yeah. Especially if they went on record saying that he did not do anything
0: unlawful, I think you're right. Unless he did super criminal shit, and they're not giving it immunity cause they <laughs> they're like, him immunity because they want to prosecute. We don't even have
5: laws written for what you did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Were you in those Manafort orgies?
5: <laughs> oh, God.
0: Orgy law. Um,
5: <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yes, so important to note, Tad Devine is being brought in as a witness in Virginia as it relates to Manafort's involvement with the Ukrainian campaign, and as that relates to Manafort's failing to report foreign bank accounts, his filing of false tax returns, and bank fraud. Really shitty, man. That guy's so fucked. And <laughs> He's so fucked. Uh, then charges were brought against Manafort just for context in a DC court regarding his failure to register as a foreign lobbyist for his work on behalf of Ukraine. So I'm sure Tad Devine's going to pop up again when that trial starts in DC in September.
0: Yeah, and him and him and Gates worked uh, on behalf. They lobbied on behalf of a foreign entity for seven years mm-hmm. without registering. So I wonder if that's like seven separate counts or- That's like, a good question. Like you get a year for every time you didn't do it. Like I I, I wonder if, if, you, if you can be a foreign lobbyist and never register and it's just one count yeah. for however many years. I don't know how it works. We'll Pro- find out.
5: Yeah, I mean- that's interesting probably i would think probably because i think there'd be a fine associated with
0: each time you don't do it right and and the government being the government they would probably require you to re-up your registration every year i wouldn't be surprised if you have to do that like if you work on k street as a lobbyist and you're lobbying for venezuela you have to register every year as a foreign lobbyist right i don't know yeah
5: yeah so uh they're already tad divine and the firm that he worked with they're already it's called divine mulvey and Longaba. (laughs) <laughs> just just so you know i'm sure we'll hear that name more it's slip and chunk. it's slip and <laughs> junk, yeah uh they've already given prosecutors a bunch of documents these all include emails to and from divine from manafort this includes speech drafts for the candidate in ukraine talking points strategy memos a draft for a tv ad and discussion of compensation that's Wouldn't gonna that be do- sad if tad divine wrote
0: lock her up I yeah, would be oh, so sad.
5: Oh, that'd be the saddest thing ever. Oh my God. Dude, Bernie's just gonna be sitting there like, no yeah. <laughs> You know? What it, is
0: this? This is not good. We're, who hired this guy? Yeah,
5: exactly. I can't
0: believe that one of the top one tenth of one percent of my campaign wrote locker up. <laughs>
5: Yeah, that looks really bad for him. It does. Regardless of the fact that he didn't do anything unlawful, he's got to accept that responsibility for not betting him well enough. Absolutely. And this is also shedding light on something that is becoming more obvious to me, which is that the People, the puppet masters of politics, have zero allegiance to any sort of ideology. It seems. It's how, true. how can you work for Bernie's campaign after having worked for a guy that's super pro Russia and is that oppressive? Because they're seeking power. And well, it's all a chess game. Yeah.
0: Apparently, Tad Devine quit when Yanukovych was overthrown by Tymoshenko. Oh, right. And he's like, "Oh fuck, I got this is bullshit." But like, but you he didn't, didn't know, know
5: about it before then. You didn't
0: know he was a pro-Russian yeah. separatist. Like, yeah, come I call on, bullshit bro. on
5: that. And and I also. I don't know, maybe liberals are too bleeding hard for a campaign to be entirely composed of them. <laughs> they're like, we gotta right. get a snake in here <laughs> so we can, but that
0: fucking sucks. It's truly sad that you have to vet your campaign advisors to make sure they're not Russian pro-separatists.
5: In this day and age, <laughs> we're at war. We're at it's, cyber warfare, so it, I, yeah, sucks. it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And Bernie
2: was probably like, why would I do that? It is the dumbest thing. We wouldn't have thought of it. Yeah, like regular people weren't thinking about it either, you know.
5: Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the ultimate sad reality is that Bernie was aware of this and still moved forward with it, which principle i believe is shitty even though again it is there's, not illegal at all there's a way no, bernie did, did know so, he no that's what i'm saying oh yeah even know, if he did you're if, saying there's no yeah, law like, against it yes it's potentially if he fucked. did know
0: it's morally fucked even yeah. if there's no law against oh, it. oh right yeah. like if he did vet him and found out that he did yeah. work for yanukovych that'd be disappointing mm-hmm. to know a, po- a pro-putin guy yeah. yeah and bernie went ahead with it
2: yeah that would be that'd, that'd be shitty. that's why we need yeah. fresh faces just because we got to get rid of this whole idea that it's just it's a new time it really is i love bernie but i also feel like um it's just it's sketchy it's very yeah. sketchy i yeah.
5: mean the the foundation of politics is flawed similar to you know police because it's it's like it's a yeah. power it's a direct maybe there line to are power. no
0: maybe there are no american campaign advisors that haven't worked for a, a putin guy like maybe there just aren't any honestly
2: yeah. putin would be smart to have done that to and really you, sow that doubt in us
0: and if you guys want job security maybe go to school and become a campaign advisor Yeah, <laughs> so, and maybe. never talk to anybody in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd that's be like, you, do you can sell yourself like no Russia here.
5: <laughs> yes. That's a very a good new breed.
0: Yeah. 2018
2: and forward. That's, that's what you should do when you go to college. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah so uh, just to wrap this up really quick. Um, so on Thursday, Manafucked lawyers, they, <laughs> uh, after, after Tad Devine and his team released all the documents that they were requested to give to the court, as uh, uh, Manafort's lawyers tried to come back and exclude more than 50 of those items from the list of documents that Divine and his consulting firm had given to prosecutors oh so Manafort
0: was even arguing against some of the documents Divine gave over
5: yeah well ah. he, yeah he was trying to
0: say um you can't use those. yeah and that's not fast probably <laughs> Yeah. He, he loses every motion. He, he loses everything. Every t- like, if I see a dude hit like failing to hit on a girl in a bar, I'm just going to call it a Manafort motion.
5: Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah, and and now if anyone ever gives me the advice that failure is the only way that you can uh, learn,
0: I I I show you Manafort. <laughs> <laughs> May I present? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Lisa and Jordan. Wonderful reporting. Thank you for the beans. I feel vindicated. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go over the Cohen news this week and I spoke to one of our favorite guests about this. So let's have a listen. With us today is the co-founder of the Dem Coalition and host of the Dworkin Report podcast, Scott Dworkin. Scott, welcome to Mueller She Wrote. Thanks for having me again. We are so pleased that you're, you're visiting us again. We're very happy about that. So Michael Cohen was in the news a lot this week. First, uh, there was a leak of the audio of one of his conversations with Trump that he recorded, which is not illegal in New York, despite Trump's Twitter tantrum. And then uh, we had the subpoena of Alan Weiselberg. Then the Washington Post reported prosecutors have more than 100 tapes they seized from the Cohen raid. And finally, the leak that Cohen says Trump knew about the Trump Tower meeting ahead of time. So let's start with the leak of the audio tape, that first audio tape. What do you make of it?
4: Uh, you know, I think one of the scariest things that's clear from it is is he uh, presents the option of paying in cash, you know, to pay off somebody in a, in a way that he kind of is buying a loaf of bread, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, he's like, oh, we're paying cash like it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, and he's talking about paying off somebody and he's so comfortable with it. I find that really, really disturbing uh, from it. I also see from from our standpoint, we see the potential of uh, attorney general in, in Florida, Pam Bondi being the person that was on the phone with him. Um, and then you have the involvement of of the fact that Michael Cohen mentions Alan Weisselberg's name by full when they're all seniors, you know, at the company and he goes by Allen. So it, it's kind of like he knew, you know, you know, it was he was taping and he did that intentionally to make sure it was clear what Allen it was. Um, to implicate him in the future. So there was a lot of a lot of sketchiness in it. Um and I also think you see a true side of uh, Donald Trump and how angry and mean and hostile he can really be. And uh, I think it really exposes him for who he truly is, which is, you know, a, a pretty evil guy when it comes down to to it. And uh, but I found it the whole thing is disturbing because, you know uh, he he really is at ease and he's not really worried about it. Um, you know, he's, he's talking about burying, you know, his, his wife's, uh, the, the the separation agreement that they had, the divorce papers.
0: Right. And they only had to do that for another couple of weeks.
4: Right. And it's like, it's like, these are big deals in most people's lives, but he just constantly thrives and off of these scandals and, and seems to survive them just because, you know, he powers through them, has no moral compass and no shame. Uh, and so that's that's the way he gets through it, you know, paying off people and keeping them quiet and uh, legal threats until, you know, eventually it came out now. And I and I think, uh, again, I don't know who, you know, I, I, I would assume that uh, Cohen really pushed to to get them out there. Um, but they did that without letting, you know, the feds know. And that probably is going to piss them off. So I would see some more potential legal blowback due to that. And so the implications of this is. Uh, clear that uh, I, I actually, as you remember, I did not believe Cohen would flip or ever, you know, unless it was written down in front of me, then I can believe it. This is now evidence where he doesn't really have many options left.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting too that on that tape you could hear uh Cohen say, Alan, we need to talk to Alan. Like it was just one step short of we need to talk to Alan Weisselberg, the treasurer of your organization and the CFO of your company since the nineteen seventies, Mr. Weiselberg, Weisselberg, W uh e- I- e- I- Like he he, it, he you could hear it in his voice that it was intentional that he got that name on the tape.
4: Right. Right. <laughs> now he's been subpoenaed and and that's where we're at. But it's really You know, and and then to learn, you know, that there's just so much more is it's just crazy because uh, America can't afford this sort of liability. This person that it doesn't matter if he's guilty or not guilty of anything at this point. It's the fact that he's a liability to this country and we cannot stand for this we have to have a person who can do work not somebody that's embroiled in scandal at a constant and can't be trusted by our allies and our friends and Americans themselves it's it's really ridiculous so i think this tape really puts truth to it and it puts a uh, it squashes a lot of their conspiracy theories too it makes it so that they can't they're kind of cornered and, and isolated from each other more so now and uh, a lot of the games are going to end because they they're realizing oh well we're a little bit more screwed than we ever thought we were
0: yeah that's true and I mean, there's a lot of theories about there, out there about who leaked this tape. And the one that kind of made me, I don't know, sit up and take notice the most is the theory that the special master, Barbara Jones, had told the parties, Trump and, and Cohen, that she was going to release the tapes to the prosecutors under the crime fraud exception to attorney-client privilege. And to avoid that mess, um, which is full-on criminal liability, maybe the Trump team leaked, leaked the audio, I don't know.
4: So maybe might not be able to be admitted or they can muddy the waters or they can take the PR control like they know it's going to come out. So they want to ruin any deal potential that Michael could could make. I mean, there's there's definitely he does that a lot. You know, he delivered his tax returns to David K. Johnston uh, a, a long time ago, um, it, only like a couple pages or whatever. And that was to distract people. And he does that all the time, you know, trying to distract people. He doesn't mind throwing himself under the bus as long as it distracts, especially from from any Russia-related scandal. But it, it really is crazy that, you know, he recorded this. Obviously, he needs to never have a job in audio recording. Um,
0: <laughs> you don't think he's a good producer?
4: That is awful recording. Like, man, he got I don't know what he's doing. It's kind of like he had a suit pocket, like in his, uh, in his uh, shirt pocket. He kind of had it there, and it's ruffling in between. So, you know, he's lucky he actually got the audio. Um, at the same time you know, he sounded comfortable, a little bit nervous, but again, comfortable enough, like he had recorded a lot of people. And as you had mentioned, there's over a hundred tapes. And then some are related to, most of them are related to Trump. Some may have him on it. Um, So it's interesting to see what else is out there, but their games are going to end because again, evidence being presented, that's just, that's just an end game for this conspiracy BS. And you know, like I said, man, this it's just just going to get worse. There is no better. There's no, he's not going to become a better person. And even if he were to, it'd be a front, and then you know, nothing's going to change from that. It's really, it really is just. Uh, it's it's going to end badly, and it can either end quicker if he resigns, or uh, it can end uh, slower, uh, and uh, Republicans can ruin their party in the process, and it can wait till January. But right now, it's just in a. It's in a really. Bad spot for America, and again, a liability that we cannot afford whatsoever right now. This it's ludicrous, and I, it just really drives me nuts. Um, but thankfully, we have this evidence uh, presented to the American people, so we can decide, you know, as Americans, that the uh, you know, whether or not we need this criminal still in the White House. Obviously, a majority of Americans now polled, over 51%, to believe that he should not be in office anymore. Um, so I think that number is going to go up. And I think that uh, we're going to see a lot of a lot of dominoes start to fall from the choices that he's made over the past year and a half.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the 100 tapes. There's a lot of different numbers out there. There was 12 tapes. Um, Washington Post is reporting 100 tapes. We've got the one that we actually got the leaked audio for. And it kind of makes me think that maybe of all the tapes, there were 100 of them. And those 100 were actually um, deemed not privileged and sent to prosecutors uh and usually you deem a tape not privileged because either it's not talking about anything legal or it's got some sort of a crime fraud issue in it or maybe just the 12 did i don't know but i f- i feel like we'll figure it all out like it's going to come out and we just have to kind of wait for it that like it seems more prudent than guessing
4: yeah it all kind of connects in the end i think that's what's going to happen is um you know Mueller's put together this story and i think that story is going to come out to the public and and then uh that will be probably what pushes him out of office. That's my that's my guess as of right now that the evidence that Mueller has probably is irrefutable and enough to draw the dots for obstruction and, and to prove that they were covering up a crime on, on top of that. Um. So extra obstruction of justice and uh, on top of, you know, the fact that he was conspiring with his son against the United States. He was conspiring with his staff against the United States. He was conspiring with Russia against the United States and Putin and the Russian government and the Russian military against the U.S. military. You see what I'm saying? And that's when yeah. stuff gets really real, because when you talk about intelligence agencies, we always must remember that some of our intelligence agencies are in the Army, the Navy, uh, the Air Force, you know, the Coast Guard, like the everybody in the Marines and, uh, they all have the, they all agreed that Russia was the one who interfered. Not only that, there's another report that said that they infiltrated our power systems with the ability to be able to shut them down. And, yeah. you know, that and water, um, you know, different parts of our infrastructure. And, uh, you know, think about if they have access to stoplights, you know what I mean? Like they, this is the kind of thing that we're, that they've done in their own country where they shut off their own part of their, their country's power. You know what I mean? And, and they do that maliciously. And if they do it to their own people, they'll definitely do it to us. And they they don't know if that it's actually happened either. That's even scarier. Um, but what they keep on saying, what I hear from everybody is that these are the same, quote unquote, blinking lights that they had before 9-11. This is the same kind of thing that you would do if you were open it, opening us up for a physical attack. And so it's something that it's just it's just nuts. It's going to get worse from here. And I hate to say that, but that's that's the truth.
0: It is, and the real danger, like you said, is that we've got a president who, you know, guilty or not, he's compromised. Uh, he he can't act out toward Russia in the way that he should in order to protect us from any of those numerous attacks and potential attacks that you talked about. For whatever reason, it's just even if he's unwittingly uh, in this situation, everyone should realize that that it's a problem. So. Uh, you, you touched on on Weisselberg. Um, he was mentioned on the tape. He was mentioned in that leaked audio tape. And a lot of people think that this is bigger than any other part of the Cohen story. So what are your thoughts on Trump's CFO and treasurer cooperating with prosecutors?
4: I mean, the only person who could be worse for him would probably be his brother. And, uh, you know, if Robert Trump were to testify against him, um, which I don't think would ever happen, But uh, Alan knows decades of everything, where the money's at. And and keep in mind, uh, a lot of his money, if not most of it, uh, Trump's money, is not located here. He has funds and banks that he sets up in other countries, like in India, where he he, he keeps his money isolated there. And, uh, you know, I think Alan knows exactly where... The, that money's hidden. And I also think that Mueller knows where that money is hidden because he worked with the IRS on top of working with the tax agencies of other countries throughout the world. Well, yeah, and so I, Mueller, I see Alan just uh, being a devastating time bomb.
0: Yeah, and Mueller, Mueller wouldn't bring Weisselberg in unless he already had all the information he wanted to ask Weisselberg about, you know?
4: Right. And, and an automatic subpoena was crazy. Like, I didn't expect it to move that quickly, but he may have already talked to him too. He may already be on top of this um, you know, or they may have requested it already. I'm not sure the full extent of it. Um, but just bringing him in, it was supposed to be a red line, remember? And we've gone way past that because I don't think Trump really has an opportunity to fire Mueller at this point. Um, there's some kind of law involving that if he tried to fire him, you know, it could trigger an impeachment process, but it also could trigger... Uh, Mueller to turn into a whistleblower. And that's a nightmare, because then it, the evidence could be right out on the House floor. And that's just not something that Trump ever wants.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the handing off to, to New York. I, I, I think it might, it could have been Mueller's intent this whole time to hand this off to New York to get the Weisselberg subpoena. B- b- that way, he's not crossing any red line Trump drew. Not that, not that Mueller would kowtow to Trump's, you know, desires. But I think it, Gives Mueller a stronger case. it's everything is still fully within his scope, and and there's no even appearance of being outside of his scope. That's how motions like Manafort filing a motion to dismiss everything because Mueller's acting outside of his scope. just they keep getting denied. I think it's she, part of his intent to build like this bulletproof case
4: right, right. no, and that's what and that's the only kind of case he would develop, and that's what's what's creepy about it for these guys. They can play all the p r games that they want and pull these PR stunts, you know, daily and try and fight that battle. But as you've seen last night with, with Giuliani, he went straight to the argument of lie. He's a liar. He's a liar. And that's all they've got left. That is that's dangerous territory because uh, their credibility is almost completely shot now. And they wasted their energy on this PR thing. And now there's going to be evidence that contradicts everything that they're saying. No one's going to take them credibly or they're going to be, you know, they open themselves up to these attacks which are rightful Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's what we've been saying all the time, but at the same time, press hasn't been following that, that lead. Uh, Now it seems like they're digging in and finally not taking, you know, any of their junk anymore. But it's, it really is. uh, It's kind of like it felt unsteady for a while, but I think you're right. He's going to hand off case after case. I think as he isolates these cases, he's going to hand it off into a different district or uh, to a different prosecutor's office. And he's going to keep on doing that methodically uh, with just the thought of I'm going to do what it takes to protect America from this ever happening again. And that includes the deterrence uh, of it by prosecuting people to the fullest extent uh, and making sure that we put them in prison or, or we get the information out so that we can prevent it from happening. Um, but one of the bigger things is to keep other people from doing it. You have to put people in prison. They have to realize there's consequences of the actions. Uh, and I think that the next thing that's going to happen that we see, which is going to be the most shocking of everything, is the American co-conspirators, which do exist and are part of the Trump campaign. Uh, so that's that's going to be the real big piece of the puzzle. I don't know when that would drop. Uh, I'm guessing he would do something in tandem where he sweeps up, you know, and arrests a bunch of people. But I mean, even just with obstruction, even if there's no crime What they were doing was obstructing the investigation. So they are obstructing justice. So even if they had, he can claim there was no crime, no collusion. So that means there was no obstruction. That actually, you know, legally makes no sense because you can obstruct justice without doing an original crime that you're, you know, trying to cover up.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Obstruction of justice does not require an underlying crime to have been committed.
4: No predicate for that. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't depend on that. And so it, it's interesting, but he does these mind-twisting arguments. And my favorite example of that is collusion, because collusion is something that you can you can get in like antitrust cases, but it's not something that you can uh, charge someone with. So if you're doing the general term of the definition of collusion, did he collude? Absolutely. Did he work with the you know Russian government to uh, hurt America? Yes. Um, but the definition of collusion is. Uh, is not, it's not something he'll be charged with. It would be conspiracy against the United States. So it's another Trump argument where it's like, well, collusion, yeah, I guess he w- wouldn't be charged by that. And then he would take that quote of he wouldn't be charged. I wouldn't be charged by collusion. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it would be conspiracy. And that's... that's. My-
0: I can hear him like, uh, yeah, but it's not collusion.
4: <laughs> right, right. And it's like you already have people that are that are already charged with conspiracy against the United States. And so you want to talk about collusion, like... That's fine. But again, he may have burned out that collusion angle because all that's going to happen is people are going to be like, well, let's talk about it. Collusion is not what he can be charged with because it's not the legal term. And so they'll they'll get it out there and bang it home, I think. Um, they're just waiting for that time. They're still using the term collusion because it's what Trump uses all the time and it's his buzzword, his catchphrase. Uh, but it's nonsense and it's another n- never-ending Trump argument because there's no there's no end to it. It's just like oh, I didn't collude. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess technically then we have to drone on with a 30 minute response of explaining that, you know, the, it's not collusion. It's co- So I just say, yeah, you did collude because yeah. the, the definition of the word, you absolutely did. And you would be charged with conspiring against the United States for doing it.
0: All right. Now, speaking of that, there's that leak uh, that happened yesterday, or was it? I think it was yesterday, last night, that Cohen is willing to tell Mueller that Trump knew about the Trump Tower meeting or meetings ahead of time. And I was wondering what you think the implications of that could be.
4: Well, we found in 2013, I found, or I found photos from 2013 last year, and it had uh, Michael Cohen and Donald Trump in a photo with the Agalarovs, who were the people who set up Trump Tower Moscow. Uh, or sorry, no, they were the ones we, they were thinking about doing Trump Tower Moscow with, and they were the ones who did uh, Miss Universe Moscow. They hosted it at their venue and he's also friends with Putin, an award winner from Putin, a Russian oligarch, a billionaire, and his son is the pop star. Um, Also there were two people who were present in the Trump Tower meeting. In that 2013 Las Vegas meeting where they set up uh, the Miss Me Universe Moscow, uh, two of those members of that meeting were there. So there, Michael Cohen and Donald Trump both have at least a five-year-long relationship with two of the people that were inside of that Trump Tower Russian lawyer meeting with Manafort, Kushner, and Don Jr. So... You know, you have all these people that link together. I find it very unlikely uh, that Donald Trump did not know that people who he made money off of, millions of dollars off of before, you know, three years earlier, are in his building. He's running a campaign and they're interfering and attacking American election. He didn't know that they were there. He probably knew better not to attend the meeting. But I mean, come again, like no other campaign in the right mind would have three senior officials from their campaign take a meeting that close to the election uh with a foreign adversary unless they wanted to get dirt and so you know i i would guess that you know donald trump was obviously aware of it and there are other witnesses that that would attest to that including hope hicks and other people who have left the administration since then because the one thing that they won't do uh, in this instance, and maybe this is a great signal to that, is they won't lie about it, and so if they're questioning people about this or they've lied already, then they've got them, and they've got them for, you know, lying to the FBI now, and so that I think it's going to, I don't know who leaked it, I, I don't think anybody does yet, I'm not sure if that's been covered yet, um, but I, I would assume that, you know, it's it's uh, it's something where Cohen wanted to get out in front of another scandal, and he's kind of Trying to clear the air because if he lies again, his credibility is shot, and my guess is Mueller is going to make an example out of him.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree, and, and I think we, I you know I'd rather just wait to see uh, who leaked it. I'd rather wait for that to come out than try to make some sort of a conjecture because it could it could go either way. There's reasons that both sides would, uh, and it would have had to come from either one of them. And so, I mean, the implications are pretty huge, too. That means Don Jr. lied to Congress about the phone call that he made in between talking to, uh, w- was it was it an Aguilarov? I can't remember.
4: Uh, we're not sure yet. And but Grassley did say that if he did lie to Congress, it's a crime. He did say that today. But I, I, it was uh, either Trump or one of the Aguilarovs, uh, most likely Amin, because he's, go- he's known Amin for at least seven years.
0: Right. And then there's also that statement Trump made a couple of days before that, that a bunch of they have big news on Hillary on Monday, but then that he didn't make that announcement because there was really nothing given at the meeting. And also the obstruction piece with the dictation of the adoption statement aboard Air Force One. I mean, the, the evidence is pretty strong. And we've kind of known about this for a while just to have it leaked from somebody who says that they knew it that was there is is an interesting development. Yeah, and it
4: must be a confirmed source as in somebody that they can back up because, you know, it was first released by uh, uncovered by CNN and then uh, NBC News independently verified it as well. And so I don't know if they're working in tandem a little bit or, or what, but it was very clear that the source was very real. It was confirmed and it, it was uh, the, the fun fact about that is the fact that you mentioned that uh, Michael Cohen is willing to testify against it and did not deny that fact. He has not said, I'm not willing to testify about that. And, and it's right. very interesting to me because that is a an, an end of a presidency at that point, no matter who you are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm told you have some new information on Cohen, and I was wondering if you'd be willing to share that with us.
4: Uh, sure. We have a, a video of him and the taxi king, and I think this is what Trump was mentioning in his tweet for some reason. Uh, we have a video between uh, Trump and the taxi king, or sorry, Cohen and the taxi king talking about, uh, their Russian relationships and, uh, it's pretty extensive and I'll, I'll make sure to, to send you that article when it's done. But, um, the bottom line there is it's just more extensive Russian ties. And, you know, what I've seen is besides the slow, st- the short American ties that they have, Cohen has more Russian ties than anywhere else on top of Ukrainian ties. And, uh, I just don't I don't see him not making money directly off of them. We have at least a money trail of ten million dollars that Cohen's made uh, in the past off of Russia himself personally. But you know, I think this is going to expand it to uh, his entire business empire that he has his, his himself. You know, in taxi cabs, gas stations, um, and other places that are very cash friendly, if you know what I mean, and very money laundering drawn.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, that Yeah, uh, Breaking Bad car wash style. Right,
4: right. He's got a lot of those, got a lot of those. Um, But he would take these taxi medallions, he would invest into them. And then uh, this kind of like an investment into a stock and it would accrue in value. And uh, but he would put loans against it and then, you know, bankrupt the company with the loans or whatever. It was just it was a little scam. I think he got into legal trouble with it before, may have been cleared of it. Um, But he the the bottom line with that is he's the kind of right hand man or his partner that uh, Cohen had and so Cohen has his own deal because again this is only regarding you know things that involve the Stormy Daniels case and it's not involving everything else and so it's got to do with cover up payments and and things like that but conspiracy against the United States and other things like that I, I don't think that this one even relates so this is the least of his legal troubles it looks right now um, he has a long road ahead of him, and it's going to be millions of dollars in in legal fees. I, I just don't see him wanting to go down that road. Flipping and and making a deal is going to be his his easiest bet by far, and save decades in prison.
0: Yeah, and it seems like he's making <clears throat> he's making that obvious. Um, and maybe one of the reasons he went public with this information about the Trump Tower meeting was to signal to Mueller. Uh, not because, you know, his case is in New York, Southern District of New York, maybe just a signal more like, hey, I've got this info or, you know, who knows? Um, That would all be conjecture anyway. But yeah, when you get that video, link us to the article. We'll drop it in our newsletter. I think that that would be awesome for us to have.
4: Great. No, I appreciate that. And and we have more evidence that will uh, be coming out involving uh, Maria Bettina, uh, the Russian spy and uh kind of discrediting anything that Russia says about her being a, a civilian. Um, and we have photos and video that prove it.
0: Awesome. Well, we look forward to getting that. It's been a pleasure to speak to you as always. Everyone, please follow Scott on Twitter at Thunder. Uh, he's the co-founder of the Dem Coalition and host of the incredibly wonderful podcast, The Dworkin Report. And you can visit DworkinReport.com to donate and support his podcast. So Scott Dworkin, thank you so much for being with us today.
4: Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you having me on. And thanks again for uh, all your efforts that y'all are doing over there.
0: Yeah, same to you. Have a good one. You too. Hello, this is AG. And I wanted to let you know we've released a bonus episode that sums up the entire Mueller investigation in less than 20 minutes. It's the perfect thing to send anyone you know who thinks there was no collusion. It's also a great example of the kind of bonus content you'll have access to as a patron. You'll also get our newsletter, my research notes, access to the MSW Book Club, and membership in our closed Friends of Justice Facebook group where you can participate in our Fantasy Indictment League. So head over to patreon.com slash wrote and check out the bonus episode at bit.ly.com slash mswbonus, all lowercase. And please click the link to subscribe to our podcast for free. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to the Muller She Wrote Fantasy Indictment League. We didn't have any indictments this week, so we'll start again on Monday with a fresh post. Uh, I'll, I'll pin it to the Friends of Justice group. That'll be the official draft post on our page for patrons if you want to play sign up to become a patron at patreon.com slash wrote. you'll also get all of the great things weekly newsletter show notes access to all of our locked episodes the book club and we have all sorts of great gifts to send you to then you have to ask to join the facebook group friends of justice and then look for the pinned post about the fantasy indictment league and then list your five picks so for this week's fantasy indictment league i had the honor of speaking to author and feminist and resistor molly jong fast let's take a listen to that interview so today we have a very special guest, one of my favorite authors, a feminist and resister that sits on the board of the ARENA, which is at ARENA Summit on Twitter, and they're a group aimed at connecting and supporting the next generation of civic leaders, which as you know, is hugely important to Muller She Wrote. Everyone, please welcome Molly Zhang fast Molly, welcome to Muller She Wrote. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, I wanted, uh, I was hoping you could kick, uh, kick us off by telling our listeners a little bit about you and your thoughts on on this administration and everything that's kind of going on in the world right now with trump
1: so i was like a normal sort of writer not very interested in politics i mean i had you know i always voted but i wasn't super involved one way or the other and when trump just started running for office i was like this is really terrible this guy is really dumb he'll never become president obviously because i read the new york times The New York Times tells me there's no way he'll become president. So I'm, you know, and NPR says he won't become president. And this one of my husband said, it's statistically impossible that Donald Trump will become president. So I was like, okay, well, just in case, I said, I'm just going to do everything I can to help Hillary because I just can't live with not knowing that I did everything. So I went and I did some volunteering and I did some canvassing. And it wasn't that easy But I was, um, you know, I just did what I could do. Um, And then when he won, I couldn't believe it. Like, it was like, I I just, like, I couldn't, I just cried. It was like one of the, it's the only time I've ever had a panic attack and not been, like, on an airplane. Like, I literally, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. I, I could, and I cried every day. And I'm, like, not a crier. I never cry. And I never cry about things like this. But, like, I tried every day for a week, like I was, I couldn't believe it. And I felt so incredibly abandoned by white women. I just felt like it was so unfair that white women had done this. I, yeah, I had to, that is that, I just felt like they had done such a bad thing for America and for the world. I couldn't, I really could not, I just couldn't believe it. And, um, So that was how I got involved. And after that, I started like getting involved with raising money for candidates. I got involved with writing about it. That's where I got involved in politics.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting as as all of this has been unfolding, uh, particularly with the Russia investigation and obstruction with justice, and we're starting to find out things that the Russians and the Internet Research Agency in Russia were actually targeting these uh, white uh, women from uh, red states, suburban women. Uh, and that was one of their consider, you know, they considered that one of their main audiences that they had to go after to try to, you know, disenfranchise Hillary voters. And I thought that that was pretty incredible with that with that voting demographic, as you mentioned. So it's all as this whole as this whole corruption and, and Russia scandal has has un, has been unraveling what what how you know, what, what have your thoughts been on that?
1: Well, I sort of thought, like, even before the election, I saw a lot of weird Twitter stuff and weird Internet stuff that didn't make any sense to me. Like, I would see these weird, like, these accounts. There was one, like, there are a bunch of these, like, big Twitter accounts. Some of them have been taken down now that were conservative accounts that didn't look right to me. You know, there were certain things that didn't look right. And certain Facebook things, there were a lot of things like where I was like, this is odd. This doesn't seem right. And I felt that way about the election, too. I mean, the thing I believe, and this may get me into trouble, but who cares? I think um, those three states where he won by such a small margin, but a big enough margin to avoid a recount, but a small enough margin to look like it wasn't a big deal. I'm still convinced that they changed the numbers there. I'm convinced. I mean, I just am convinced. I just, I think I'm not, you know, um, I, I think I'm like, actually, as a Russia person, like, I definitely believe they've taken advantage of us. I definitely believe they're in there doing a lot of stuff. But I tend to be more cynical in a certain way, because I'm very friendly with Rick Wilson and, and also with um Tom Nichols. And they're both very much like, they believe for sure in this Russia stuff and they believe for sure in collusion, but you know, they're less about the conspiracies and more about the idea that, you know, that the Trump world just did the dumbest, easiest thing, that it's more of an Occam's razor thing, you know, that it's not quite, that it's not so much like, yes, it's a conspiracy. Yes. There's collusion, but it's not necessarily as, you know, it's not as it's not as as I mean it's a Le Carre novel for sure, but it's not it's not that complicated. You know things are what they look like.
0: Right. Well, it's important to remember that when the intelligence community briefed Obama and Trump, and then came out with their report, which the Senate Intel Committee has uh, uh, backed in their findings in their in their preliminary findings on the Russia investigation, they never said that they had proof either way or that they investigated whether or not the vote count was changed. That's never been disproven, much like nothing in the dossier has ever been contested. But uh, yeah, they certainly, if there are, uh, if there is evidence of that, we don't have it. It hasn't been made public. Um, But I I do have faith if there is evidence in that, that, that Mueller has it. Yeah, that's what
1: we all hope.
0: But yeah, we can't just hinge our hopes on the Mueller investigation, though, right? We have to get involved on the ground like you did and and, and, yes. and push and, and, and flip this House and flip the yes. flip the Senate, right?
1: Yes. I mean, a good thing to look at is Jason Kander. Do you know him? He's, just, he's an incredible politician. And he has a Let America Vote. It's a charity. You should check it out. There's a lot of good stuff about voter stuff. I mean, I personally, my dream... Is that we have an opt-out voter registration where you go in, you get your driver's license, and you register to vote when you get your driver's license. Um, that's my dream. I don't think we're anywhere near that. But um, because really that is the most important thing is that we have, you know, we have a way for people to be able to vote. I also wish we had elections on Saturday or Sunday.
0: Yeah, or had a national holiday forum.
1: Yeah, exactly. or national holiday, the Tuesday voting, really punishes working people.
0: We don't need we don't need Columbus Day. We can get rid of Columbus Day. I mean, that how do you even celebrate Columbus Day? Like walk to the wrong house and murder everybody there? It makes right. no sense. Let's get rid of that, and and put in a national voting holiday. I'm with you on that. And the
1: right. uh, or you could vote on Columbus Day.
0: Exactly. I think that would be a yeah. much much better uh, idea. We don't have to add to the federal uh, holiday list. Well. Molly, I want to ask you really quick uh, before I let you go here. First of all, I follow you on Twitter. Everybody should follow you on Twitter. It's, it's oh, a
1: Thank Twitter you account. so much.
0: And um, so tell us your Twitter handle. What is your Twitter handle?
1: It's Molly Jong, like Kim Jong, J-O-N-G, fast, F-A-S-T, as in speedy, and it's all one word.
0: All right, great. And finally, before I let you go, uh, in... The Mueller, she wrote, Fantasy Indictment League. Our listeners get to choose people that they think will be indicted this coming week. And who would you recommend that they choose? Maybe, like, throw out three names. Give them some recommendations. Who do you think might be indicted this week?
1: I mean, I think eventually, or I really believe, but I don't know if it's going to be this week. But my belief is that Junior and Jared will eventually be indicted. Yeah,
0: I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, I mean... I think Junior and Jared, I think that's the closest they'll get. I don't think, like, I think, I'm sure Ivanka has done nefarious stuff, but I don't think they'll get her. And I don't know if there's enough on Eric. But, um, so, I mean, I guess would be like the, I think right now he's sort of on the outer, the outer orbit, but he's definitely getting closer because Trump is getting more and more nervous. So it's hard to know, uh, Who's next? But I could see him like breaking out with like a crazy Jr. on Diamond.
0: Yeah, uh, Jr. is actually he's getting pretty close to Jr. through through Stone, Roger Stone and WikiLeaks and then all the recorded uh, intercepted conversations that Jose Grinda from Spain sent our FBI. That's when he was like Donald Trump Jr.'s in trouble. So, yeah, I think those are good recommendations. (laughs) Thank you Yeah, no problem All right, everybody Please follow Molly Jong Fast on Twitter At Molly Jong Fast And pick up her books Wherever they're available We are so glad that you came to visit us today And and thank you so much again For everything that you do On the ground and and on social media We really appreciate it
1: Thank
0: you so much for having me It's great
1: Thank you All right, have fun
0: Be safe Thank you You too Bye-bye She's so great, you guys I I read all her mom's books in college, and I'm super honored she had time for us this week. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, she's going to be this weekend. She's going to be at uh, D.C., you know, that big, loud uh, protest that's going on in front of the—they call it the Kremlin annex, the White House. And they're like having like brass bands and mariachi bands and they've been out there for two weeks. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm going to be in D.C. August 6th through 9th. I'm going to head out there and check it out. I'm staying right by DuPont Circle, right between DuPont Circle and the White House. So I'm I'm totally checking that out.
5: When Trump leaves office, I hope they fumigate it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Take down the gold curtains. Just a (laughs) giant termite tent around <laughs> around it that would be funny can somebody do that yeah it we'll <laughs>
5: cleanse this please before we start again oh, jesus yes. christ somebody
0: photoshop a termite tent around the white house <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> all right are you guys ready for sabotage yes <laughs> Okay, remember earlier in the show when I said that Ellis was going to publish the witness list for the prosecution in the Manafort trial? Well, he did it. He did it late Friday. It's got 35 names on it, and they are mostly bankers, accountants, tax guys, and luxury vendors. So Mm -hmm. I have a quick breakdown for you. Uh, Obviously, Rick Gates is on the list, right? Yeah. Uh, Along with the five people that got use immunity that Mueller asked for, right? Two of those guys with immunity worked at the bank with cock that lent Manafort $16 million in exchange for a job as Secretary of the Army. I just picture this guy, like, getting ready for it, playing with little green army guys. Like, (laughs) I'm going to be Secretary of the Army. Oh, my
2: goodness. (laughs) Apparently, he
0: called up the Pentagon. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be the new Secretary of the Army. Can you send me some briefs and stuff? And people at the Pentagon were like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No. Uh, And Manafort has left the campaign. That's just so weird. Uh, There's also Tad Devine. Jordan, you talked about him earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there's a bunch of luxury vendors, including Irfand Karimka. Okay. That's Manafort's Yankees ticket hookup. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It doesn't sound mobby to me at all. (laughs) Uh, There's a guy named Maximilian Katzman who sold Manafort expensive suits to the tune of $850,000. One suit? Uh, Suits. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, apparently 850 suits. Uh, no, I don't know what's a good suit. Uh, Daniel Opsut, or Opsut, uh, the guy who sold Manafort his Mercedes-Benz, mm. uh, a landscaping company run by Michael Rigosilio, uh that Manafort spent $164,000 with for landscaping. And a home automation company, that's like, you know, when you have the lights go on and you have an app and stuff, shit like that, mm-hmm. run by a guy named Joel Maxwell. And Manafort spent $1.3 million with that guy.
5: It's for that fireplace that sketchily turns halfway into his evil lair. <laughs> that's, <laughs>
0: that's what that was for. It's like, yeah, you know that thing in the Last Crusade where they have that spinny fireplace with <laughs> chairs where you can tie people up? I need that. I need secret uh, passageways in the Clue, like the Clue Mansion. I need that set up. And then I need a weird, creepy room where I have my orgies that I can turn the lights on and off with my voice and turn on Barry Manilow. Can I have that? I don't even think he has the decency to put on Barry Manilow. (laughs) You're right. That's insulting to Barry Manilow. I'm sorry. Rest in peace. (laughs) Um, There's also the director of Airbnb North America, Darren Evanson, likely because Manafort illegally listed one of his properties as an Airbnb. Fraudulently, he did that. Uh, Manafort's assistant is on there Alex Trusco he's one uh, of he's the guy who gave the FBI access to his storage locker and then Manafort filed a motion saying he didn't have permission to do that and (laughs) FBI and the judge just laughed him out of the room and then we can't forget the senior vice president of Bank of California Gary Safarian that's the bank that Manafort's son-in-law worked at and as we all know his son-in-law was indicted in May and is cooperating with the feds in a separate case uh, we'll have a full list for patrons in this week's newsletter. Uh, we'll just have a link to the document, the order, with the 35 witnesses on it. So keep an eye out for that. All right. Are you guys ready to flip it blue? Yeah.
5: I'm blue. Today, Mueller, she wrote, we have a very special guest. He's a congressional candidate running in the 49th District of California, Mike Levin. He is a fantastic and brilliant individual, and we have a lot of faith in him, so we're super happy to get to ask him some questions today.
3: Thank you so much for having me, and I will try to uh, live up to that very kind introduction.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I've, I've spent all day watching awesome interviews with you. I'm super fired up and ready to ask you some questions here. So... Uh, just to start out, could you give us a quick background on you, uh, why you decided to run, and some things you stand for?
3: Well, sure thing. Uh, my background is uh, largely in uh, Democratic politics. I've been involved uh, with campaigns. I uh, used to run the Democratic Party in Orange County, California. Uh, and uh, I also am a clean energy advocate and an environmental attorney. Uh, I've been focused for the last uh, decade or so uh, in my legal work, and my regulatory work, on uh, trying to uh, move towards sustainability and reduce the greenhouse gas emissions from uh, both power generation and transportation, Uh, founded the Clean Energy uh, Related Trade Association in Orange County, and also served on the board of uh, one of the larger uh, environmental and energy-related nonprofits, Uh, and really was very content doing all that work, uh, working on climate uh, change mitigation and uh, sustainability, and then uh, Donald Trump, Started running for president, and I just felt compelled uh, to stand up and to uh, try to do everything I could to prevent him from becoming president. I felt then, as I still do, that he really uh, represented an existential threat to our democratic institutions, uh, our free press, our our independent judiciary, and I did everything I could to try to help elect uh, Hillary Clinton as our president, try to prevent Donald Trump from becoming our president, and uh, when the unthinkable happened on election night and uh, Trump was uh, named president-elect, I right then and there resolved to uh, really look at running myself. I, I also had noticed that my member of Congress, Daryl Issa, who had been serving for uh, about 17 years, 16 years back then, uh, you know, saw that he had narrowly been reelected despite the fact that Secretary Clinton had won our district. Um, by about twenty five thousand votes. And uh, the next thing I knew, i I was talking to my wife about running. Uh, we went to the first women's march, and it was on the way home from that that my wife turned to me and said, "We're all in." And uh, you know, the next thing I knew, we were running for Congress, and it's been an incredible ride. You know we've had a, a great campaign. It was a very difficult, contested, expensive primary. Uh, your listeners may know that in California, we have what's called the top two primary system where, uh, the top two, uh, vote getters, regardless of their party, uh, make the general election ballot. And in our case, uh, there were 16 candidates for the primary and the race was complicated significantly when Daryl Issa, uh, decided to retire or announce his retirement that he wouldn't seek reelection. Uh, that really opened the door for a lot of candidates to jump in. Uh, I wound up, uh, uh was one of the top two, along with Daryl Ice's hand-picked successor, a, uh, a woman named Diane Harkey, uh, who had served as a California Assembly member uh, and now is on our Board of Equalization. Uh, so we're really fired up. I think one of the great things to happen in the primary on June 5th was that 51.5% of those who voted, uh, voted Democratic. And if we can just continue uh, that momentum on into the general election, we're going to flip this seat. And we need to flip this district. If we're going to get to the 23 seats, we need to flip the house.
5: Absolutely. Well, we love your origin story, fueled by powerful women and a uh, extreme desire to get Trump corrected or out of office, whatever has to happen, you know. Uh, we, <laughs> uh, but we so your district is very interesting. We ourselves are in California, uh, San Diego. We're a little bit south of where oh, your cool. district line is. Yeah. So you. Yes, so uh, Mike's district is Northern San Diego and Orange County region. Basically, would I be correct in describing it as such? Right. Such?
3: Right. So it it goes. It, it's it's a big district. It starts uh, up in Dana Point, if you know where that is, in South Orange County, and it includes uh, San Juan Capistrano and San Clemente, uh, and then you've got Camp Pendleton, of course, and then all of North County. So you've got. Oceanside, Carlsbad, Vista, Encinitas, Solana Beach, Del Mar, all the way down to UCSD, a little bit of La Jolla, and then inland to uh, uh, to Rancho Santa Fe and a little bit of that more Republican area. But uh, it's changing. Even that area is changing. You know, we've got these meetings of the Rancho Santa Fe Democratic Club that have two, three, four hundred people at them. So the entire uh, region. I think, is ready for a change. They're ready for a representative who's actually going to try to get things done for the community, uh, not just for the special interests and for the top 1%. And uh, I think we're just sick of uh, Daryl Issa uh, for the last 18 years and ready for a change.
5: I think this district is ready, too. It's populated with a bunch of very intelligent and educated people. It's surprising yeah. to think that Daryl Issa got reelected so many times, especially when you consider his track record with climate change. And that region is coming up with some of the most incredible sustainability tech. So that was just baffling. That Absolutely. He well, I,
3: I started, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I actually started our campaign by sending Daryl Issa the book Climate Change for Beginners. It's a 180-page illustrated book written at about a fourth-grade reading level and uh, I I wrote him a cover letter that said, you know, Congress member, for uh, the last uh, 16 years, you've denied the scientific consensus on climate. Uh, Why do you blindly support Donald Trump and his agenda to gut the EPA and to gut basic science? And uh, not surprisingly, I did not get a response. So I actually brought a second copy of the book to Daryl Issa's town hall. It was actually the first town hall meeting that he had done in about eight years. And uh, through absolute luck, uh, I was able to ask that very question of Issa uh, that I had asked in that letter, and that wound up going viral on YouTube and social media. And that was a great way to start our campaign by uh, confronting uh, Congressmember Isa over his uh, terrible record on climate change.
5: Yeah, we saw that video. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you to tell that story. It's so funny. It's it was bizarre. I, I, uh, I first of
3: all, I couldn't believe that they actually let me in at all. <laughs> and well I was, first of all, they let me buy a ticket, which was crazy. And then while I was waiting in line, I saw his district director. And I thought, well, surely they're going to kick me out. They're going to say, you're a candidate. You can't, you can't get in here. But they didn't. They let me in. And then uh, the way that uh, people got to ask questions was by virtue of a raffle. Everybody got a raffle number. And they called our number. And I said, this is, this is unbelievable. So when I stood up, the people that were directly surrounding me kind of gasped, you know, this audible gasp. Oh, my God, what's, he, what's, we, what, what's this candidate here going to say? And, uh, ISA immediately started, you know, yelling out this man is my political opponent, and, you know, trying to get the, the media to, uh, to turn on me. But I, I just turned to the crowd and I said, do you want me to ask a question? And they said, yeah, we want you to ask the question. So kind of, that was the, the beginning of our campaign and it couldn't have been, uh, uh any better beginning than that.
5: Yeah, it sounds like a couple levels of their security may have failed there to to the fact that they picked a raffle. uh,
3: I'm sure he had quite a discussion with his staff after that.
5: Yes. Yeah, that was great. We'll have to we do a newsletter for our patrons. We'll have to add that video into the newsletter. It's so satisfying (laughs) to watch. Um, So I wanted to ask some questions about your district specifically as I said, it's it's a great district, a lot of brilliant people there. What are some of the biggest issues that that district is facing? What are you going to tackle when you get elected?
3: Well, we have fifty two miles of coastline, and that makes us very unique uh, in that we care a lot about uh, clean air, clean water, a clean beach. Uh, you know, that shouldn't be a Republican or a democratic issue. That's just a a, uh, an issue that we all face if we uh, live near the ocean. We care very much about a cleaner ocean. And we also have a decommissioning of a nuclear power plant happening uh, with the San Onofre nuclear plant. And uh, the issue of what to do with the permanent uh, storage or at least the longer-term term storage of the uh, spent fuel at that plant is a huge issue. Uh, right now it's being stored right along the coast, and that is you know, clearly not a good long-term solution, given the threat of uh, earthquake, you know, seismic risk, sea level rise. So uh, I look forward to working with uh, the community and with thought leaders uh, to figure out the best path forward for our nuclear uh, power problem and our nuclear waste problem uh, at San Onofre. Uh, also, you know the the uh, the issue of uh, what kind of development we want, uh, what kind of land use policies we want. A lot of those are local concerns, of course, but uh, we do need a, uh, a federal representative that's going to work closely with the community to try to build coalitions and get positive outcomes. And unfortunately, uh, ISA has been focused by and large, not, not completely. I can't uh, give him, you know, a hundred percent negative on this. He he has tried, particularly in the last couple of years, when he's known you know, he's facing a tough reelection challenge to engage, but we need somebody who's actually going to engage with the ten mayors and city council members, you know, different city councils in the district. We've got 10 great cities and uh, they really want to partner at the federal level. And uh, I'm, I'm committed to working with all of them to get things done for our community. And, uh, you know, we've got an amazing district. It's, it's a well-educated, largely affluent district, but it also has pockets of uh, poverty and homelessness and people right on the brink of homelessness. Uh, And that's especially, uh, and unfortunately true for our veterans uh, too many of whom are are returning and not able to find uh, the path forward. Uh, there's too much, uh, particularly uh, too many people falling through the cracks uh, that are, you know, addicted to substances or, or otherwise uh, unable to find work. And uh, we've got to do something for them. You know, we've got to serve them as well as they have served us. Uh, also having, you know, a major military base in the district, we've got to be cognizant of the readiness and preparation. Uh, of our troops that are there. And that includes the quality of life that they're able to lead. You know, I, I uh, hear the horror stories of those who, who are serving, uh, who have to attend a soup kitchen on the weekend because they don't have enough money to make ends meet. And uh, for me, if you're, if you're serving your country, that should never be the case. Uh, we have a lot of folks, you know, given that it's a very expensive place to live, uh, that are right on the brink uh, of poverty, Uh, or of homelessness. And that shouldn't be the case. Uh, But my concern is that we've got economic policies right now coming from Washington that are benefiting only those at the top, and that there's a greater uh, disconnect between those at the top and everyone else. Uh, We've got some very vibrant, growing industries, biotechnology, life sciences, clean energy, uh, very vibrant tourism uh, industry. But uh, all too often, Uh, Those jobs are not benefiting everyone across the economic spectrum, and uh, we need to do more to uh, uh, invest federal research and development dollars, uh, infrastructure funds uh, to really make sure that we're growing the jobs of the future uh, that benefit not just those at the top, but everyone in the district. And ultimately, it gets down to cost of living and housing. Health care is also huge. You know, too many stories out there that I hear when I travel uh, to neighborhoods, people that are one medical emergency away from losing everything or from uh, being able to pay their bills. Uh, we've also got a big problem with student loan debt and with the cost of education. And, you know, unfortunately, this administration has a secretary of education that doesn't believe in our public schools. Uh, so we've got a whole lot of work to do. And, you know, we're not even getting into this president's uh uh, other problems, which uh, I think your podcast handles quite well uh, from what i've heard, and uh, you know that's that's obviously uh, always lurking in the background, but just basic quality of life uh, this president this administration are concerned only with those uh, at the very top, and we got to do better than that we got to do better
5: yeah, you touched on a lot of really great things there. Your opponent, Diane Harkey, she's also th- apparently a staunch opponent of projects like the California High-Speed Rail, which f- ties into exactly the sort of public works projects you were just talking about. It makes uh, no sense to us why she'd be against that. Uh, there's a lot of—she has a—just uh, rattling off all of the negative things that we hear and <laughs> think about her. Uh, she has a A rating from the NRA, which— now especially is very interesting to us because as you know we're covering the Mueller investigation and the NRA is looking like it is having closer and closer ties to potential yep. crimes within that investigation so this is a nice segue we would be remiss if we did not ask you about the Mueller investigation uh, when elected what what are you what are you expecting the landscape in Congress to be in regards to that investigation and what is your what are your opinions about it as it stands now
3: well, you know, the first member of Congress to endorse me was Adam Schiff, and uh, I look at Adam uh, as a friend, as a as a role model in many ways. Uh, really trying to speak truth to power, uh, and it's all about protecting our institutions and protecting uh, the ability for our law enforcement professionals, the intelligence community, to be able to do their jobs. And I think, uh, you know, obviously we need to see where this evidence takes us, but the more that we hear. Uh, It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see uh, that this president is deeply corrupt. Uh, The extent, the depth and breadth of the corruption, uh, we're learning on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis. And uh, I can tell you that uh, we need uh, subpoena power. We need members of Congress who are going to not be afraid to hold hearings and speak truth to power in a real way, in an authentic way, not in a Devin Nunes way. Uh, but in a way that actually will make the American people proud again of their Congress. And uh, I have no doubt that if the Democrats retake uh, control, that uh, Adam Schiff as chair of the Intel Committee and others uh, that are actually exercising our oversight responsibility, holding the hearings necessary, uh, issuing the subpoenas necessary to get to the truth, uh, that will be a great uh, service to the American people. And uh, ultimately, we need for Mr. Mueller to uh, conduct his investigation free of political interference. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the American people recognize the importance of that happening, uh, that uh, uh, the, uh, the independence of, of his investigation and the ability for him and his team uh, to get to the truth uh, and the importance of truth itself, that, you know, our truth, uh, our evidence, our, our facts that we come to, uh, to to learn through the investigation, uh, those still matter. It doesn't. It, it's it's it can't be overridden by a tweet or by a statement uh, from you know again, uh, president who uh, is deeply corrupt, and I think who will go down uh, as uh, perhaps the most corrupt president in our nation's history, uh, and the least prepared president in our nation's history. Uh, which are you know, when you combine those two things, it doesn't make for great outcomes. And I think. More and more, I hope, that Republicans that look objectively at this administration uh, will try to distance themselves uh, from the toxicity and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the dishonesty that we're seeing. Uh, unfortunately, Daryl Issa is not one of those people. Uh, Daryl Issa still likes to attack the FBI. Uh, he wants to defend Trump, probably jockeying for a position in the Trump administration, uh, there was rumor that he may be the new head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is oh, no. a scary thought that it, it it didn't happen. But even the thought is is, uh, is. is scary enough.
5: Yeah.
3: Uh, but the reality is, is that, you know, th- these are different times and the standards that have applied to every modern president. Um, you know, obviously, Richard Nixon went through, uh, uh, you know, what what in hindsight uh, may, uh, may turn out to, to be uh, a great, uh, you know, precursor to, to the events that are unfolding here. But, you know, uh, obviously we've got elections to win. We've got work to do. We've got doors to knock on people to call people to speak with. That's my priority over the next 104 days until election day, leave no stone unturned. Don't let the other side outwork us. Uh, but if we out hustle the other side and we're competitive, Uh, I think good things are going to happen across the country, and that starts with California and our district.
5: Well, speaking of on-the-ground work, Mike, where can our listeners volunteer, donate, and help out your campaign and follow you?
3: I would love if uh, your listeners could go to MikeLevin.org, that's M-I-K-E-L-E-V-I-N dot O-R-G, or they can follow me on Twitter at MikeLevinCA, or go to our Facebook page, which is uh, Levin for Congress, Uh, that's spelled out F O R. And uh, we're based in, we have three offices, if you can believe it. We've got one, kind of our our headquarters in Oceanside, but then you've got satellite offices in San Clemente and South Orange County, and then in Solana Beach as well. So I do hope that your listeners, if they're in the San Diego area or the Orange County area, they're interested in making a difference. We'd love to have them. Uh, We're open. We're ready for business and uh, ready to win.
5: Absolutely. You know, Mike, we're also very close. So you could see us swing by and I've been looking to get involved. I would love it. Yeah, we would. I, I personally and I'm sure my co-host would love to come up there and help out whenever we can because that's love to have you. yeah, We'd that love to have you. we would love to be there. You have been such a joy to talk to. Thank you so much for being on. We would love to in the future, if you got any time down the road, come on again if you'd like to. All right. Well, Mike Levin, you have been fantastic to talk to. We wish you the best of luck. We have all the faith in the world that you have the ability to win this thing. And listeners, please, please, if you can, come out, support. If you're in the district or close to the district, come around, do some grassroots work. We'll come up with you and we'll work together. And if you've got any of that cash to send along, even if it's small amounts, go ahead and give what you can because this is Hey,
3: That's how we win. We've had 100,000, over 100,000 donations, about 25 bucks average donation. So that's how we win.
5: It is how we win. Yep. That's how Obama won. And we're I think we can do it again in your race as well. So we will talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you so much. And best of luck on the campaign moving forward.
3: Thank you all. Great to speak with you. I look forward to doing it again. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: All right, you guys, that's this week's show. I thought it went pretty well. Oh, yeah it's 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 a mini mega sode
5: mini mega yeah. yeah, i like could that could have been longer also quick note we were serious about trying to get people together to go volunteer for mike levin so if you're in san diego hit us up yeah email us tweet us whatever or orange county right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's so true we're gonna orange make a county. trip out of it yeah and there's already some of you already doing stuff and we're late to the game yeah so, sorry about that let's <laughs> get together and go do some stuff
0: totally you guys this has been awesome i've been ag i've been
5: jaleesa johnson i've been jordan coburn
0: and this is muller she wrote Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by A.G. with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Market consulting by Amanda Reeder at Unicorn Creative. Our digital media director and subscriber managers are Jordan Coburn and Sarah hirschberger Valencia. Fact checking and research by A.G. with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Muller She Wrote staff includes A.G., Jaleesa Johnson, Jordan Coburn, Sarah hirschberger Valencia, Jesse Egan, and Sarah Lee Steiner. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is moxiewrote.com.
1: MSW Media.